Tiger Woods was changing the world of sport and earning $80 million a year when the National Enquirer followed him into a car park with mistress Mindy Lawton. He managed to kill that story, but soon his luck would completely run out. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Part two, Zara McDonald. Part two. Let's have a quick chat about what we covered in part one because there was a lot there, particularly around Tiger's upbringing and the relationship that he had with his dad. Yeah, it was a really intense relationship that he had with Earl. Earl was also keen on Tiger becoming a golfer before he even turned one and had some pretty fantastical stories maybe about Tiger's golfing ability from a really young age. He was also sycophantic when it came to Tiger. To Earl, Tiger wasn't just a once-in-a-generation golfing talent. He was almost a god who was going to change the course of humankind. Yeah, we told you more about his upbringing as well and how according to his high school girlfriend, Dina, Tiger was deeply emotionally affected by his father's philandering. In that episode, we also spoke about how Tiger's old family friend admitted that he and Earl regularly conducted affairs in front of a young Tiger, like on a Mm, golf course. Really bizarre. Tiger ascended to the highest pinnacle of golf. He was dominating championships, accruing lucrative sponsorship deals with the likes of Nike. He was winning the hearts and minds of the public as well because he was appearing on Oprah and all the nighttime talk shows. He was it. Yeah, he met and fell in love with Elin Nordegren, the nanny of a fellow golfer at the time, and they got married. But just weeks after their wedding, Tiger entered into an affair with a woman named Jamie Jungers. Of course, we didn't know this at the time, but we would soon find out. It was around this time as well that Tiger's dad, Earl, died. And according to everything that we've watched and read, this death really did kind of shake Tiger. And it did also in some ways spur him on to something of like a cheating rampage. Mm. His philandering himself really ramped up, Mish. Yeah, it was around this time that he also entered into an affair with a waitress called Mindy Lawton. And this affair really had the potential to rock Tiger's world because Mindy's mum actually tipped off the tabloid, the National Enquirer, about them sleeping together. And then the National Enquirer followed Tiger and Mindy into a car park where they got photos of their cars together. Yeah, when Tiger's team found out about the story, they did what they could to kill it. And that meant trading something of value with the Enquirer's parent company. So what Tiger's team ended up doing is Tiger promised to star on the cover of Men's Fitness, which was also owned by the same company Mm. as the National Enquirer, in order for the Enquirer to kill the story. He would also announce to the world that he was having a baby on the cover of that magazine. But Mish, he could only keep it under control for so long. So let's go back to 2007. All right, Zara, when we last left Tiger Woods, as you said, it was 2007, he was 32 years old and his father, Earl, had just passed away. He was, of course, married to Elin. He was secretly having ongoing affairs with a few women and the National Enquirer was cottoning on to it all. By the time his men's fitness cover had been released, Elin was actually very pregnant with their first child. On June 18, 2007, she gave birth to a baby girl called Sam Alexis Woods. 
Now, unfortunately, Tiger was still reportedly on the prowl for women, so to speak. Look, before the men's fitness story had even been published, so Mm. in the space between him giving the interview and it going live, the one that was meant to save his career from potential ruin, he was still pursuing other women. Yeah, surely this men's fitness cover to Tiger would have been symbolic of the bullet that he dodged. Like, the men's fitness cover was him dodging his whole reputation being trashed by the National Enquirer. And yet before it comes out, he's doing the exact same thing that could damage his reputation. Yeah, it could have been a real line in the sand moment for him, but it (laughs) wasn't. We didn't know this at the time, but what we would learn later is that one woman Tiger pursued was a 21-year-old cocktail waitress named Jamie Grubbs, who Tiger had met on one of his trips to Vegas. Now, he gifted her a $400 professional massage, bought her a new outfit the day after they met so she could go nightclubbing with him, and ferried her and her friends around in a Rolls Royce while they were in Vegas for the weekend. Mm. Around this time too, Tiger was also reportedly contacting pretty regularly a high-end escort service, often paying a fee of up to five or six figures to spend time with escorts around the country. Yeah, one former Playboy playmate named Loredana Jolie Ferriolo later claimed that Tiger paid her $15,000 for their first date. He paid for shopping sprees, flew her to the Bahamas, Dubai and Vegas so they could meet up around this time. Yeah, once again, despite all the chaos behind the scenes, he was excelling in golf tournaments throughout 2007. He won his 13th major that year. But some very, very faint cracks were beginning to show. For one, Hank Haney, his golf coach at the time, did begin to notice that Tiger was on his phone a lot during practice and it was really starting to annoy him. Tiger was constantly receiving a barrage of text and calls affecting his concentration. Haney, of course, had no idea that most of these messages were from various women. Well, he's got so many relationships running simultaneously. Like these women aren't just sleeping with Tiger. When you read the book and you watch the documentary, they're falling in love with Tiger. They're relationships. Like these are years-long relationships. And you think about how often you might text your partner right now. Imagine if my partner had like seven of me. It's not possible. It's simply not feasible. (laughs) Let's fast forward a little bit to 2009 because it was arguably the biggest year in Tiger's career to date. By January, he was 33 years old and despite some persistent injuries, was playing some of the best golf of his career. This was also the year that he became the first athlete in history to exceed $1 billion in overall career earnings. Yeah, Tiger's wife Elin was also pregnant with their second child and on the outside it looked like they were on top of the world but on the inside Tiger was falling apart. First of all of course he was still grieving his father particularly after he became a father himself. Talking to people at this time he said my dad passed away right before Sam was born so I didn't have a chance to talk to him about being a father. I regret that. I will always regret that. I think of him every day. He taught me everything. I hear his voice. Now, Tiger was saying this in the media, which was somewhat unusual, seeing as he was normally quite private, Mish, and reserved around journalists. Yeah. And then there were the women, literally so many women. As per the Tiger Woods biography, emotionally, he was adrift, constantly moving from city to city, hooking up with one woman after another. 
He persuaded one after another to believe that she was his only mistress. All of these women, the ones he paid and the ones he picked up, were women he could control. For the most part, they were younger than he was, less sophisticated, enamoured of his status and in the dark about his exploits. It's worth noting here, as we said, these were not just random one-night stands. I mean, I'm sure there might have been scattered throughout the other relationships, but these were women who really were falling for Tiger. Yeah. Now, at this point, Tiger met a 34-year-old by the name of Rachel Yucatel, who was a VIP hostess slash manager at higher nightclubs in New York. And things were a bit different in this relationship. For one, Rachel was quite wealthy herself. She was also one year older than Tiger Mm. and was probably, and I know this is a generalisation, but I think one that rings true with what we know, more accustomed to a life of luxury than some of the other women that Tiger was courting at the time. The power dynamic was not as pronounced. These two... At least when you watch Rachel be interviewed about this relationship, it does seem like they were on far more of a level playing field than the women who came before her. Rachel could also empathise with Tiger when it came to his grief with Earl. She actually lost her fiancé in the 9-11 terror attacks and had also lost her father to a cocaine overdose. So their understanding of each other, it certainly seems, was on a bit of a deeper level. than some of the other affairs Tiger had had. It sounded like they had quite an emotional bond. Mm. The thing is, though, the tabloid, the National Enquirer, had never actually stopped tailing Tiger after that 2006-2007 fiasco with Mindy Lawton, and they were about to come across another big scoop. Yeah, because Rachel Yucatel had something of a profile among the rich and famous, especially in New York. So it wasn't entirely surprising that the Inquirer caught on to her relationship with Tiger quite quickly. The Inquirer really honed in on Rachel and they were staking out her apartment. And this close level of observation led them to a monumental find. In November 2009, Tiger Woods was staying here in Melbourne. He was staying Staying at the Crown Towers for the Australian Masters, which he went on to win, by the way. Now, essentially, Tiger had asked Rachel to visit him and come with him to Australia. In fact, he was extremely keen on her coming with him to Melbourne. According to Rachel in the HBO doco that we've referenced many times throughout this series, he basically told her that coming with him to Melbourne would be the difference between him losing and winning. Rachel said, I got a call from Tiger in November saying that he could not play the Australian Masters until I came there. He said, I can't sleep. I can't win if you're not there. So will you come? This man that everybody wanted a piece of only wanted me. That's the biggest I love you you could hear. We were really brazen with what we thought we could get away with. It's a really interesting quote from her. Yeah. So she agreed. She came to Melbourne and Tiger's team booked her a room on a separate level of the hotel to avoid suspicion. But we need to keep in mind, Rachel and Tiger were essentially together at this point. She considered him her boyfriend. So by the time she got to Melbourne, she obviously wanted to go to her boyfriend's suite. It was when she was exiting a lift and heading towards Tiger's room that a man who had been in the lift with her yelled out, you're going to see Tiger Woods. That would be so eerie. Can you imagine like 
I'm getting like all body. I don't know. I'm like getting that really cold feeling when you yeah. get really anxious. Because that's the thing, right? There are elements of this story. I mean, as particularly with the National Enquirer, it's one thing to kind of report on a public figure's personal life. But it's another to kind of like stalk people in the way that they do, mm. particularly a woman by herself in a country that's not the one that she lives in, mm. and yell out to her to throw her off like that. Yeah. I just, I mean, there's lots of problems with the National Enquirer anyway. It raises a lot of questions for the listeners as well, like what's genuinely in the public interest and what's worth it or what yeah. do we want to kind of give a green light to? For sure. Now, scouts, of course, from the Enquirer literally followed Rachel all the way from her home in New York to Australia to the Melbourne Crown Casino lift completely undetected. Rachel didn't respond in that moment but it was pretty quickly clear to her that the jig was up. She returned to the US very quickly, but the damage was done. Tiger's team were left to clean up what was about to be their biggest scandal to date. Yeah. On his flight home from Melbourne, after pocketing $3 million for appearing and then winning the Australian Masters, Tiger confided in a fellow golfer. Reportedly, he said, I think I'm about to come out on the wrong side of a big media story. Understatement? Understatement of the century. Also, quick aside, I can't believe he won the tournament when all of this was happening in the background. Completely. Now, unfortunately, Rachel had, I guess understandably, told some of her friends about her relationship with Tiger. And now those friends were talking to the Inquirer as well. The tabloid had more information than they ever needed to blow up Tiger's career. And this time, negotiations were not on the table. The Inquirer had so much dirt on Tiger and they thought that nothing he could ever offer them would be worth more than this story, which probably says a lot about how shitty the photos they had of him and Mindy Lawton were back in 2006. Like it wasn't some noble thing from the Inquirer to say, fine, no. we'll look after you this one time. It was like clearly what they had was nowhere near good enough. The photos are shown in the doco and they're terrible. They're just photos of a car with blacked out windows. You cannot see Tiger. You cannot see Mindy Lawton. In this instance, they had plenty to work with. So Tiger and his team went into preemptive damage control. They let members of his inner circle know that a story was about to come out, but explicitly said it was not true. They also told the inner circle not to speak to any reporters under any circumstances. Although Tiger's most difficult job of them all, though, was, of course, to convince his wife and the mother of his two young children, Elin, that the story was bullshit. We're going to talk about how he did that after the break. All right, Zara, one of the wilder elements of this story is that in an effort to convince Elon that he wasn't cheating, Tiger actually organised a 30-minute long phone call between his wife and his mistress, during which he instructed, apparently, according to Rachel Yucatel, he basically told her to convince Elin that they were not sleeping together and that they were just friends. Yes. In the doco, Rachel admitted to this and said, we talked about how I knew Tiger, how I knew his friends and how and why I was in Australia. Needless to say, Elin was definitely confused. The Enquirer went to print on November 24, 2009, but initially and so surprisingly, the story actually didn't make too much of a splash. It's pretty hard to say why. 
But I think it could have something to do with the fact that Thanksgiving was about to come up. Audiences just didn't engage with the story. Also, the Inquirer did have a reputation as being a gossip rag, like a really trashy gossip rag. Yeah. And I wonder if this spoke to their credibility that people just didn't care because they didn't trust them. Yeah. I think a big one as well was they didn't actually have a photo of Rachel and Tiger together. They ran this story with a photo of Rachel as that VIP hostess. So I think when you're reading something like the National Enquirer, I need my eyes to see facts, to believe what's in the story. I completely agree. Now, Rachel said in the documentary, the story came out and nobody looked at it. Between this stupid story and the phone call with Elin, I remember thinking, oh, my God, we're going to slide right over this. Oh, this part of the doco is so awkward to watch back. She went on. Two days later, it was Thanksgiving. Tiger and I texted throughout the day saying that we have a lot to be grateful for. We'd gotten away unscathed in what could have been a complete nightmare. And then I get this text message from Tiger saying, you were the only one I ever loved. And I had this feeling that things had never been better between us. And then he told me he was taking an Ambien and going to sleep. When I got another text from him, I was kind of surprised. What came through was something like, when am I going to see you again? And then the phone rang. I answered saying something like, hey, babe, I thought you went to sleep. And instead of Tiger's voice, it was Elin. And she said, I knew it was you. (sighs) Yeah, that's right. On the evening of November 26, 2009, Tiger was sleeping soundly when Elin took the opportunity to finally have an uninterrupted look through his phone. She, after years of deceit, had finally uncovered her husband's affair and it was just the tip of the iceberg. (sighs) Look, what happened over the next hour or hours is still blurry over a decade later. We'll probably never know the truth of exactly what happened next, but we're going to run you guys through what we do know In an apparent rage, Elin woke Tiger up. As we said through that text message to Rachel Yucatel, he was on Ambien at the time to combat insomnia. Now, I think we can assume pretty safely some form of argument took place between Tiger and his wife and Tiger rushed out of the house barefoot and got into his car. Yeah, as per the biography Tiger Woods, speeding out of his driveway, he lost control, clipping a hedge and swerving into his next-door neighbour's yard, driving into a fire hydrant and ploughing into a tree. When police arrived after responding to a 911 call from Tiger's neighbour, they found that the windows on both sides of the back seat of his vehicle had been smashed out with a golf club that had been swung by Elin. From this description, I guess it could be assumed that Elin was so angry that she chased a woozy tiger out of the house with a golf club, smashing the windows of his car as he drove away. The other argument, of course, is that Elin perhaps smashed the car windows to get an unconscious tiger out of the car. Mm. We do not know. And of course, I doubt we ever will know. What we know for sure is that the car crash was quite serious. Tiger was unconscious and Elon was kind of crouched by his side at 2.30 in the morning, putting a pillow under his head and attempting to wake him up. The ambulance soon arrived and took him away. Yeah. Thankfully, Tiger's injuries weren't too bad. 10 hours after he was admitted to hospital, he was released. Unfortunately for him, though, and for Elon and their families, the crash was already being covered by pretty much every major news outlet in the world. 
And of course, we've got to remember it's officially 2009, which means things are being spread online as well. Yeah. In fact, Florida Highway Patrol, the police department responsible for dealing with the crash, received around 1,600 emails from press outlets all around the world looking for more info on the crash. People were bewildered by this really strange story. I remember being confused about how would it all happen. And also I do feel like at the time the press was kind of vague as well. Yeah. Like there was a lot of question marks around what was going on and I feel like the press were trying to hint towards something that I didn't understand. Yeah, I remember it was vague and confusing but largely pointing to one explanation. Yeah, without saying it. It was totally out of character as well for Tiger, who was by all accounts a very private person. Yeah. Like it seemed out of character. On Monday, November 30, 2009, so a few days later, Tiger did release the following statement on his website. As you all know, I had a single car accident earlier this week and sustained some injuries. I have some cuts, bruising, and right now I'm pretty sore. This situation is my fault and it's obviously embarrassing to my family and me. I'm human and I'm not perfect. I will certainly make sure this doesn't happen again. He went on. This is a private matter and I want to keep it that way. Although I understand there is curiosity, the many false, unfounded and malicious rumours that are currently circulating about me and my family are irresponsible. The only person responsible for the accident is me. My wife, Elin, acted courageously when she saw I was hurt and in trouble. She was the first person to help me. Any other assertion is absolutely false. Yeah, he went on. This incident has been stressful and very difficult for Elin, our family and me. I appreciate all the concern and well wishes that we've received. But I would also ask for some understanding that my family and I deserve some privacy, no matter how intrusive some people can be. Just a quick side note here as well. It's hard to ignore the fact that at this point, Elin only knows about Rachel. She does not know about the other women. Like this really was just the beginning. And press outlets were starting to do some digging. They followed the trail left by the National Enquirer story and no one expected where it was going to lead. Well, this is the thing, right? We've got to remember when this stuff was happening, Tiger was the squeakiest, cleanest person in sport. Like easily, no one knew what was going on. No one knew about any of the affairs. We only had the golf club and the smashed windows in the car. So this was like so shocking to so many people. Now, the first mistress to voluntarily come forward with her story to the media was the cocktail waitress, Jamie Grubbs. You might remember her from episode one. She was reportedly paid $150,000 to speak exclusively to Us Weekly on December 1. So again, days after the crash. I think this is only one day after Tiger puts that statement up on his website. Yeah, it is. Now, we couldn't find the original story, but we could find this snippet online. A Los Angeles cocktail waitress tells the new Us Weekly on Newsstands Wednesday that she had a steamy 31-month fling, (laughs) so specific, with Tiger Woods and has a voicemail recording and text messages to prove it. Jamie Grubbs, now 24, tells Us Weekly she began having an affair with Woods, 33, in April 2007. She tells Us Weekly they went on to have 20 sexual encounters. (laughs) This is what will forever stump me about tabloid stories when, like, maybe... 
a mistress or what's the male form of a mistress? A mistress. I don't know. <laughs> I guess come forward is how specific they can be with how many times they had sex. How do they Who's, figure it out? They must be guessing. Who's counting that? Unless they're putting notes in their phone. Yeah. Unless you're going back through. I mean, imagine. I imagine if you're Jamie Grubbs, maybe you've got communication of when the you're meeting up. You're in it. the same city. And you're actually orchestrating this? It's a lot of effort. With a second mistress now identified, Mish, Tiger couldn't keep quiet about the affairs any longer or these the reported affairs at this point, nor could he keep denying them. So on December 2, 2009, two days after that statement about the crash, he made another statement posted to his website, which read, I have let my family down and I regret those transgressions with all of my heart. I have not been true to my values and the behavior my family deserves. But for me, the virtue of privacy is one that must be protected in matters that are intimate and within one's own family. Personal sins should not require press releases and problems within a family should not have to mean public confessions. At this time, Tiger's sponsorships remained intact for now. As per the biography, Nike immediately made it clear that it was standing by Woods, issuing a strong statement that he and his family had the company's full support. But Tiger's other corporate sponsors were more guarded. Gatorade said, our partnership continues. A tepid endorsement that left out the obvious words, for now. A Gillette spokesperson was even more circumspect, saying, at this time, we are not making any changes to our existing marketing program. Very carefully worded statements. Tiger's team were obviously freaking out, unaware of how many women were actually out there and likely terrified of how many would talk. Rachel Yucatel, who had already hired a team of lawyers, actually scheduled a press conference at this point to share her side of the story. However, this press conference was cancelled on December 3, like the morning of, after Tiger's lawyers reached out to Rachel's lawyers. It would later be revealed that Tiger paid her $10 million to not speak. Mm. She says in the doco that she sees this as his attempt to love her, even when he wasn't allowed to love her. And this was like his last great thing. Apparently he called her and said, get as much as you can from me. Ask for as much money as you can and we'll pay it. it. Yeah. Interesting way to show love. (laughs) I mean, it's sort of an unconventional love story, I guess. (laughs) Now, this was obviously like trying to plug the holes in a sinking boat because days later, Mindy Lawton went public with her story. She claimed that in their sexual encounters, Tiger refused to wear a condom. I think as well... With every new woman coming forward, it's like the story has to be more and more salacious to keep the interest there. It's like, well, what else can you give us that we haven't heard from the other women? So as the women came forward, their details became more and more explicit. Yeah. The rising number of mistresses was such a hot topic that Jay Leno's night show literally had a stage design called the Tiger Woods Tally Board, where they updated the number of rumoured mistresses every night. If a new woman would come forward while the show was being recorded, the phone would ring and production would announce it on air. I watched clips of this and it was actually like, I know, I know I'm saying two things at once. I'm saying we need to respect celebrities and not dehumanise them. Some of the content around this was kind of funny, given the outlandish nature of this scandal. It is outlandish and it is one of these kind <laughs> like if you see me right now, I'm sort of struggling to put it into words because I agree it is. It's really harsh, but it also is for a late night talk show, like relatively creative. Yeah. But 
I think it was the absurdity of this story. The fact that I was probably 14 or 15 and I remember, and I know we spoke about this at this very start of episode one, I remember the tallies. I remember the front pages of the paper. I remember the images. Like I had these images burned in my brain of the press coverage from this time because it was just this outrageous story that wasn't stopping. Like it was like a freight train that kept going for weeks on end and I remember being stunned by it. Yeah. And I think everybody felt the same. And I'm not going to blame anyone for that. I cannot recall a celebrity having such a glossy, perfect reputation and then within days having that reputation trashed in such an emphatic manner. Like it was literally to the point where people were saying, how many more women could there be? Like surely there can't be more women. And yet every day a new woman or multiple women were coming forward. Yeah. By Friday, December 11, 2009, the total number of women that had come forward was 14. That same day he published another statement. It read, I am deeply aware of the disappointment and hurt that my infidelity had caused to so many people, most of all to my wife and children. After much soul-searching, I have decided to take an indefinite break from professional golf. I need to focus my attention on being a better husband, father, and person. Tiger's reputation was trashed. There is no doubt about it. As per the biography, for 21 consecutive days, Tiger appeared on the cover of the New York Post, surpassing the previous record of 20 consecutive covers devoted to the 9-11 terrorist attacks. His scandal was regular fodder for late night comedians. Tiger's sponsors didn't find any of this funny. Yeah. The IT consulting company Accenture were the first to cut ties with Tiger in light of the scandal. They were promptly followed by AT&T, who also dropped Tiger, while Procter and Gamble and Swiss watchmaker Tag Heuer largely scaled back their campaigns with Tiger. The only companies that stuck by him at this point in the timeline were Nike and EA Sports. Tiger wasn't just losing sponsorships, though. Of course, Elon and the two children had moved out of the family home, leaving him there just on his own. Just ahead of Christmas 2009, Tiger decided to check himself into rehab for sex addiction. To be clear, it wasn't just Tiger who was the only one copying it. Footage is shown in this HBO documentary of Rachel Yucatel being followed down the street by a swarm of paparazzi who suggest she should get a test and asking her if she likes the song, Oh Baby, I Like It Raw. Mm, in an episode of The View, co-host Whoopi Goldberg asked her panellists how to pronounce Rachel's surname before they all quipped, you could tell she's a hooker. Back to Tiger, though. For the 45 days following Christmas, he was in treatment for sex addiction. He had no phone, no access to the outside world, and followed an Alcoholics Anonymous protocol. But I think the protocol was all rejigged to be focused on sex. Yeah, even in rehab, though, Tiger couldn't escape the tabloid press. Radar Online managed to snap a photo of him leaving one of the facility buildings with a long lens camera and ran the photo with the headline, World Exclusive Photos, First Pictures of Tiger Woods in Sex Rehab. These are the other things that I get confused by. It's like... At the very least, let people rest and recover privately. Yeah. It's like, okay, we've identified the problem. We've all spoken about the problem. And we've spoken about it a lot. We've spoken and we've about joked it. about it. 20 like, covers or 21 covers of the New York Post. We've talked about it. Surely we don't then to need to invade someone trying to make amends. Like yes. this is trying to, him trying to fix it and we're still being invasive. Completely. On Feb 15, 2010, Tiger was released from treatment and thanks to his new crisis management PR firm, kind of immediately started prep for his televised public apology. 
Yeah, just a few days after getting out of rehab on Feb 19, 2010, Tiger Woods faced the world with this televised press conference held at PGA Tour headquarters in Florida. This apology lasted 13 minutes and was broadcast live around the globe. Roughly 30 million people tuned in to watch Tiger grovel. Do you remember this moment? No. I don't either. No. I don't. I do not remember this. This and is I, so weird. Because it's such a key part of the story and this went straight over my head. I honestly wonder if at this age I was sort of following the story for a month or so, but by February I was like, I've forgotten about this. Like yeah. I wasn't invested anymore. What we're going to do, we can't play the entire 13-minute <laughs> statement, but we will play you a snippet to get a sense of the tone and feel. I am also aware of the pain my behaviour has caused to those of you in this room. I have let you down. I have let down my fans. For many of you, especially my friends, my behavior has been a personal disappointment. To those of you who work for me, I have let you down personally and professionally. All right, so there was that. Tiger also read out this. I knew my actions were wrong, but I convinced myself that the normal rules don't apply. I never thought about who I was hurting. Instead, I only thought about myself. I thought I could get away with whatever I wanted. I felt I had worked hard my entire life and deserved to enjoy the temptations around me. I felt I was entitled. I was wrong. I was foolish. It's hard to admit I need help, but I do. I have to say it was a pretty well put together apology. Yeah, agree. I don't think he needed to give it though. I do not understand why this was the instruction of his PR management team. Oh my God, I do. I don't think Tiger Woods owed the public much at all. The apology should have been two minutes. It should have been to Elon. It should have been to every woman who had had their name dragged through the press and it should have been to Nike. The tone of this being so emphatically apologetic to the public and the PGA, I think set up this dynamic that we were entitled to more decorous behaviour from Tiger Woods. I think it goes without saying that he didn't owe the public anything, but that dynamic had already been set up. Mm. He didn't create the dynamic. He was responding to it. And I think for him, in order to get his career back on track, he had to. That's what people were already demanding of him. I don't think he had a choice. Mm. I think in order to get back to where he is now, and he is in a pretty good spot now, he had to do this. And I think it was a smart move. Do I think it's fair? No, not really. I think you're right. The only people he actually needed to apologise to were Elon. I don't know about the women whose names were dragged through because a lot of them spoke themselves. The ones who didn't willingly come forward, Mm. I agree, and perhaps sponsors and the people in his team Mm. who were affected. The New York Times reported at the time, in the weeks and months ahead, even after he returns to the sport he dominated for years, Wood's sincerity would be debated over and over. But however stayed this statement, there was one undeniable truth spoken by Woods regarding the state of his marriage and his reputation as he tries to go forward. It was a profound message he said came from his wife, not a speechwriter. As Elon pointed out to me, my real apology to her will not come in the form of words. It will come from my behaviour over time. Mm, Once Tiger was released from the 45-day inpatient program he was completing, there were two very big questions. The first was when would he return to golf? The second was would he be able to save his marriage with Elon? Let's talk about golf first. Tiger actually planned to return to golf 
relatively quickly. In mid-Feb, pretty much right after he got out of rehab, he was already practicing and training again. And on March 16, he released a statement announcing his imminent return to the PGA Tour the following month. Too early. Way yeah. too early. It's not an indefinite hiatus, is it? We got told I'm indefinitely leaving it's like golf. Two or three months. And also, fair enough, if I was his wife who had been cheated on, I would say, no, you give up everything mm. apart from trying to kind of save the marriage and the family. Mind you, is the way to win over the public to, to get, get back. back and be good at what you were always known for. Yeah, but is that the most important thing right now? I still think he could have taken a little bit more time out. According to the biography, Tiger's inner circle weren't stoked about this return happening so quickly. His coach wasn't convinced he was ready. Elon wanted him to take a much longer hiatus from the game. She wanted him to take two full years off, which does sound maybe too long. Do you reckon this was ever going to be salvageable though? Like maybe Elon did want that, but maybe he truly knew that he had cheated so many times and dragged her through such a come back from it. There's no way a marriage can come back from this. This is like the worst of the worst. Yeah. What's really interesting here is the night before he returned to golf, two things happened. First, Billy Payne, who was the CEO of the Augusta National Golf Club at the time and a very highly respected figure in the sporting world, publicly scolded Tiger for his actions. Speaking to a gaggle of reporters, he said, Tiger forgot in the process to remember that with fame and fortune comes responsibility, not invisibility. It is not simply the degree of his conduct that is so egregious here. It's the fact that he disappointed all of us and more important, our kids and grandkids. Our hero did not live up to the expectations of the role model we saw for our children. All right, let's talk about this. Yeah. Would someone think of the children doesn't quite stack up here for me. No, and I truly wish that this was the kind of statement we heard from sporting heroes or highly respected sporting figures when someone was accused of abuse or someone was accused of sexual assault. Completely. I just think this is so heavy-handed from Billy Payne. Like, yes, he was a philanderer. Yes, he had plenty of affairs. Do we really need to say he's let down our kids and and our our grandkids? And so egregious. Like he disappointed all of us just feels so full of false outrage to me. Like it's so misplaced. Let's also be real. How many professional sports people cheat, including professional golfers, cheat on their wives? Now, this statement was such a big deal because it was on the eve of his return to professional golf. So it was like everyone was looking at Tiger. Everyone was considering his return and it made a real splash. As per the biography... Billy Payne had never previously commented on a golfer's behaviour off the course nor at his predecessor. It simply wasn't done. Normally, no one outside of the golf press paid much attention to the chairman's State of the Union address, which happened every year before the start of the PGA Tour. But word of Payne's rebuke of Tiger instantly became a national story. Even the foreign press covered it. I think we should remind everyone the culture of golf that Tiger walked into. He was one of the first men of colour to walk into this very white, very pompous scene. And I think it would be remiss of us to not say that maybe a layer of this condemnation that he got from the upper echelons of the golfing world had undertones of racism to it. Absolutely. It's like this really public rebuke was laced with he is not one of us. Yes. Like this is not what we stand by. 
Now, this wasn't the only story that was circulating the night before Tiger was set to return to the golf course. Unfortunately, the National Enquirer had yet another story from a woman coming forward about her relationship with Tiger. This one's bad. So that evening, the tabloid ran an online story with this as the headline, Tiger Woods' sex romp with neighbour's young daughter. The article read in part, Shockingly, Tiger's sexual advances started in his car, only yards from where the golfer's devoted wife, Elin, was home, ending with a two-hour sex session on the couch in Tiger's private office. To see exclusive pictures of Tiger's young beauty, run, don't walk to get the National Enquirer before it sells out. Yeah, it was around this time that Elin decided she wanted a divorce from Tiger. We don't know exactly when she told him of her decision, but we do know that this decision was made around this time. And because of Tiger's sheer wealth, it was definitely a more complicated divorce. By 2010, Tiger had made over $1 billion across his entire career and had a net worth of about $750 million. According to Florida law, the former couple were required to reach, and I quote, an equitable division of property and assets. But while the negotiation was definitely complicated, it was apparently reportedly quite cordial. Yeah. Everything I read about Elon Nordegren, I really like. In the end, it was found that she was entitled to a stipulation of about $100 million and she agreed that she would share custody with Tiger when it came to their two children. By August, the divorce was final and a 30-year-old Elon reinstated her maiden name. On August 25, she actually featured on the front cover of People magazine for her first ever exclusive interview. Now, during the six years she was married to Tiger, she never once gave a media interview. This interview was also the last time she ever spoke to the media about this incident. I love this woman. Here's a snippet from the story. Her divorce is final and she's ready to talk. Elin Nordegren breaks her nine-month silence in an exclusive interview with People magazine. I have been through the stages of disbelief and shock to anger and ultimately grief over the loss of the family I so badly wanted for my children, she says. The 30-year-old mother of two who is studying towards a college degree in psychology says that despite her husband's betrayal, I also feel stronger than I ever have. I have confidence in my beliefs, my decisions and myself. The feature, when it was kind of sold, like in the stand first, was described as follows. In 19 hours over four visits to her rental home, Nordegren shared never-before-seen personal photographs and opened up to people about the emotional rollercoaster she's been on, her life as a mother to Sam, three, and Charlie, 19 months, and her hopes for the future. You forget that the kids were so tiny. So teeny tiny. Elin really took the high road with this interview. She did not badmouth Tiger once, although I imagine it would have been bloody tempting at times. She was really, just really even-keeled about the whole thing. She told people, forgiveness takes time. It's the last step of the grieving process. I am working on it. I know I will have to come to forgiveness and acceptance of what has happened for me to go on and be happy in the future. And I know I will get there eventually. As the scandal slowly but surely died down, it started to become clear just how much money had been lost by not just Tiger, but by shareholders and sponsors too, in light of the revelations. It is impossible, obviously, to pinpoint an exact number, but a study out of the University of California was able to estimate a ballpark figure. According to the New York Daily News, shareholders in companies like Nike, AT&T and Gatorade were estimated to have lost up to $12 billion. That is insane. 
insane. Crazy. Crazy. Like, of course we know that public figures can have such huge effects on the businesses that they work for and share prices markets and all. and all that financial stuff that we won't get too deeply into. $12 billion because you had a slew of affairs. It's pretty crazy about how the domino effect works in cases like this and why it becomes not just a celebrity story but like a real crisis point for companies. Now, what is so stark to me anyway about this story is that it did take a long, long time for Tiger's golfing performance to get back to where it once was. And I do feel like as someone who was watching on as a teenager who is not a golf fan at all, I remember this as well, Mm. watching on and being like, wow, it's so clear to me how someone's personal life and really bad things happening in their personal life can affect their performance in sport. Yeah. Because when he returned to the competition in April at the 2010 Masters, he finished in fourth place. He tied, which was not a disaster, right? He just didn't do much in the tournaments after that. He was also saying that he was struggling with injury a little bit too. And by the middle of 2010, his coach resigned and the season kept going downhill. Yeah. In fact, it was the first ever season that Tiger did not win an event for the first time since he turned pro. In 2011, his form continued to falter. He did have back injuries Injuries, and stuff like this that you said, Zara, but It's not quite clear when those started causing him issues. I mean, I've always wondered how much did this affair stuff psychologically impact his performance? Like how much did that actually send him on a downward spiral? I feel like it can't be a coincidence. I, I just don't know if it can be. By 2013 though, Tiger Woods was finally back. Keep in mind though, it took two and a half years to really dominate play again. By March 2013, he reclaimed his number one ranking and longtime sponsor Nike responded to that fact in a very peculiar <laughs> way. They released an online ad showing a picture of Tiger Woods overlaid with a quote that said, winning takes care of everything. Why did they do this? I, I like know. Nike. I'm not going to lie. I have a soft spot for Nike after watching Air. <laughs> but when I think of them, I don't think of like really edgy advertising. I think of kind of groundbreaking advertising, mm-hmm. but I don't think of deliberately controversial advertising. This feels deliberately controversial. Winning takes care of everything when he's just <laughs> reclaimed his number one ranking feels quite interesting to me. I completely agree, which all brings us to where is Tiger Woods now? Aside from the affairs, as of 2023, Tiger is still playing golf professionally, although his performance hasn't been what it once was, Zara. Well, he, I mean, I know golfing is a much longer career than most sporting codes, Mm. but he is 46. Last year, he was officially named a billionaire as per Forbes. Through it all, the 46-year-old Woods has maintained his supremacy as one of the top-earning athletes in the world, raking in over $1.7 billion in salary, endorsements and other income over the course of his 27-year career, more than anyone else Forbes has tracked. Yeah, the article went on. Yet to this point, less than 10% of Woods' career earnings and net worth comes from golf winnings. The bulk of his fortune comes from enormous endorsement deals with more than a dozen brands, including Gatorade, Monster Energy, TaylorMade, Rolex and Nike, with whom he signed in 96 and remains his biggest backer. It will be eternally interesting to me that Nike never parted ways with him when this is the biggest sporting scandal I can recall. 
1,000%. It's fascinating. Tiger appears to be single currently, but he has had a series of relationships over the last few years. His most recent relationship was with a VIP restaurant manager named Erica Herman. Now, he is now currently locked in a legal battle with her. She is suing him for $30 million after she alleges she was locked out of his home after the breakup. That's not all regarding the lawsuit, though, as per people. Herman claims she was sexually harassed by Woods while working at his Florida restaurant and alleges that the professional golfer pursued a sexual relationship then forced her to sign an NDA in order to keep her job. In May 2023, a judge denied Herman's request, ordering that the dispute between the exes be kept private per the agreement of their NDA and the case be taken to arbitration. Yeah, messy. After her divorce from Tiger Woods, Elon Nordegren focused on raising her children and getting that psychology degree that we mentioned. After she got that degree, she gave a speech to her graduating class where she said this, education has been the only consistent part of my life the last nine years, and it has offered me comfort. Education is the one thing that no one can take away from you. She's also been dating former NFL player Jordan Cameron since 2019, and they have two sons together. In 2015, Tiger opened up about his current relationship with Elon and the kids, saying, I've taken the initiative with the kids and told them up front. Guys, the reason why we're not in the same house, why we don't live under the same roof as mummy and daddy, is because daddy made some mistakes. He continued, Elon is one of my best friends. We're able to pick up the phone and we talk to each other all the time. We both know the most important thing in our lives is our kids. I wish I would have known that back then. My, oh, my. my. Oh my. That brings us to the end of one of the most jam-packed scandals we have ever covered on this show. Truly unbelievable. A big thank you as always to our researcher, Eilish Gilligan. Guys, if you want to see photos and videos, maybe even snippets of that public apology we spoke about from this time, come and follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for sticking with us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this series. Please tell a friend about it. We find so many listeners when you guys spread the word via word of mouth. So tell someone at work today to listen to this series. Yeah, all right, guys. We will be back in your ears on Thursday for another wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Bye. See ya. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.